This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome back to the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and i'm derek diamond so derek how was your day my friend because mine was uh okay let me start that by saying i don't mind parades i don't mind mardi gras (laughs) but i made the mistake me and tina made the mistake of buying a house on a parade route now oh, I no. hate Mardi Gras. <laughs> so oh. today was the D'Iberville parade, and um, it's the most stressful day of the year for us. So uh, I spent all day yesterday with a headache until last night, and uh, decided to stream some Ninja Gaiden on my Twitch stream. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all day today was pretty much just a, a giant stress bucket until the parade was over with and and you know there's huge storms rolling through so that made me laugh uh while you know people waiting for the parade and then they're getting rained on and watching people go up and down the street trying to find places to park and i'm like no parking space for you so <laughs> ah, it, was, it was one of those days but uh, it's over with and um we're recording tonight and then yeah. uh, before I forget, let everybody know we are taking two weeks off uh, after this show because I'll be in Disney this next week, which I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be this so week. fun. And then, of course, the week after the 25th, uh, the weekend of the 25th, Derek and I will be at Pensacon. And uh, don't forget to come check us out at five o'clock on Sunday evening at the Grand Hotel Ballroom where we'll be showing Survey and we'll have a panel for the movie, which uh, is a short film that Derek and I were a part of. And uh, b- before I went off on a huge tangent, Derek, how was your day? <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned having a headache yesterday because I did, but for completely different reasons. Mm-hmm. Because and, and you'll get a kick out of this because um, mutual friend of ours, Robbie, who is a co-host of the Nerd Cave podcast, and he's you know one of my oldest friends. We've been friends since probably close to 15 years. Mm. He's so he's one of my oldest friends. Uh, we had his bachelor party on Friday. It didn't get too crazy. Uh, but I actually had to leave work a little early because of, you know, we had multiple Mardi Gras parades in town. There was one Friday night. There was one on Saturday and there was supposed to be one today on the beach, but it got canceled because of all the rain. Mm -hmm. So I had to leave work early because I worked downtown and I would have just been stuck, you know, and with I would have had to walk over to McGuire's and I would not want to do that. Uh, so I left work early, you know, and then got us a table. I had some delicious food. If you're ever in Pensacola, I definitely recommend McGuire's. It's oh, yeah. amazing. McGuire's it's amazing. Is the best. It's so good. Dude, I still have and dreams. Then, I literally dream about that hamburger I had at McGuire's. I had the avocado burger. Best hamburger that's I've a ever good had one. in my life. Just hands down, best hamburger on the planet. 
If you're a fan of peanut butter, I definitely recommend the peanut butter burger Ooh, as well. That sounds good. It doesn't. A lot of people think, oh, that sounds disgusting, but it's no. really, really good. <laughs> we have a, it, uh, a restaurant here on the coast called Mug Shots that has a peanut butter burger that's really good. Uh, and Tina likes to go there, too, because they have veggie burgers available. So she likes mm-hmm. that. And she always gets the um, the fish and chips wherever we go. Mm-hmm. And uh, McGuire's has really good fish and chips, too. Like, the filet of fish that she got with her fish and chips was like, it was like the size of a laptop computer. It was like the biggest piece of fish <laughs> Holy I've ever seen in my life. It was like the burger I had, man. Dude, that burger was the size of a couch pillow. I could only mm-hmm. eat about half of it. And I was like, I'm done can't eat this thing it's like eight pounds of burger i love it but i hate it yeah (laughs) (laughs) so no we we went to mcguire's you know had food and then went to um cordova lanes which is a bowling alley uh not too far from where i live and just basically just hung out at the bar and some of us i will say i did not partake (laughs) but a lot of us sang uh drunk karaoke Mm. uh which i which Robbie did partake, and I do have video evidence <laughs> of said stuff, and it, it's pretty awesome. But then, you know, stayed there till about one, uh, went to Waffle House, had some late night food, and then got to bed around 2.30, woke up at 6 with an awful hangover, <laughs> like the worst hangover I've had in years. Oh, man. So I don't envy you at all. So I took some Advil, chugged like two bottles of water. Went back to sleep. I woke up, and it was one thirty in the afternoon. Ooh! <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, wait, what? I never sleep this late. Like, if I sleep till like eight, that's sleeping in for me. Yeah. I but, usually but get I if I sleep amazing. in and, and sleeping in to me is like nine, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that happened, and then today. Uh, actually was not too far from your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. I went to Gulfport and uh, played some golf and then went to the uh, Island View Casino and then got home about five minutes before we started. Yeah. So <laughs> dro- drove drove through rain, played golf in the rain, ran through multiple parking lots in the rain. It's just been raining all yeah. day, like nonstop. Oh, the weather's supposed it's been gross for a while now, and it's still, it's not going to let up until me and Tina leave for Disney, and then it's supposed to be sunny and, like, gorgeous for, like, a week. I'm like, oh, right when we're not going to be here. Thanks. Uh, but you'll be in a much better place. Oh, so of course, that's yeah. That's okay. <laughs> but no, other than that, you know, typical, you know, pretty much an un- uneventful week, you know, yeah. work and all that fun stuff, so... But uh, to let everybody know, I did get my uh, uh, streaming up and running, so now I'll be able to stream my retro games to Twitch. So I think I'm going to have a schedule of uh, probably Friday nights at 9 o'clock Central, I'll be streaming something retro game worthy. Nice. Um, thinking maybe this next week I might pull out some uh, Castlevania. And Oh, wait, I won't be here, so it'll be the week after. And, um Sweet. Of course, then I'll be at Pensacon. So it'll be a while before I can stream again, uh, unless I can find a free night. But just just follow me at JFunktastic, and you'll see when I, I put the link out, and you can join me to play some uh, retro video games. Awesome. But, uh, but let's go ahead and move into our news for this week. Um, if I can find the thing here. There we go. 
so there's two stories here, a, a story that's been developing over the last few weeks. Um, of course, there was, let's see, which one of these came first? The, this was on Wednesday. This one was on Friday. Okay, so on Wednesday, a uh, story popped up on Nintendo Life. Billy Mitchell reacts to accusations of fake Donkey Kong high score. Uh, in quotes, I've never even played MAME, M-A-M-E, which is uh, an emulator. Uh, Billy Mitchell mm-hmm. is a famed name in the competitive gaming scene, of course. Uh, let's see, blah, blah, blah. Uh, his achievement with setting the Donkey Kong high score has been called into question, with some accusing him of editing together the runs that he did in emulation software. Now he's come out with a response. Uh, I've never played MAME. I don't have MAME loaded in my home. The film footage that he has, uh, refer, uh, that Jeremy, the initial accuser, has, shows MAME play. Now, I contend that if he gets the original tape or he gets the original room shot, he will see that what I say is true. I'm not disputing what he says, but I'm disputing the fact that I want him to have the original tape. And the fact of the matter is that the original footage was given to Twin Galaxies. Twin Galaxies has it or should have it. And if it's anywhere other than Twin Galaxies, that's a real problem. Uh... He says, Mitchell uh, then goes on to explain that two other men, Todd Rogers and Pete Bouvier, were supposedly present when he set the score. Uh, And while some former Twin Galaxies workers have heard of the existence of a tape of that score being set, nobody has been able to find it. So that's his uh, comeback on what they're saying. But there's also another one, uh, another... uh, article that popped up that said Donkey Kong scorekeeper. This is also from NintendoLife.com. Donkey Kong scorekeeper rubbishes Billy Mitchell's claim of fabricated footage. Mitchell's defense does not make sense. Uh, The saga of Billy Mitchell's Donkey Kong high score continues to rumble along, following accusations from score verifier Jeremy Young that Mitchell, who was a key figure in the cult movie Donkey Kong, used MAME to record his record-breaking runs on the game as opposed to original hardware. Um, let's see. Mitchell said, uh, and the film footage that he has, uh, shows gameplay. Of course, that's what I just read in the other article. Um, let's see. According to Young, uh, the only other person who could have possibly switched the tapes is Dwayne Richard, a world record holder in several games on Twin Galaxies. Um, let's see. It's basically somebody saying that they swapped tapes. Uh, Billy Mitchell is saying that tapes have been swapped. And that there, um, somebody, uh, the, the other guy here, um, let's see, what's his name again? I, I'm losing, there's so many people in this, I'm losing track of who's who. Uh, well, the way the article's put together is very convoluted, too. Yeah, basically, Billy Mitchell saying that uh, the guy that's come out and said he used MAME software um, has cobbled, is saying that Billy Mitchell cobbled together different plays of Donkey Kong. Um, through the emulation software, but Billy Mitchell is saying that it it's that someone has the original tape and that verifies what he did, but nobody knows who the orig- who has the original tape. Um, and it's just it's so like you said it's so convoluted. I, I just don't know exactly what's going on with this thing, and it's a huge deal. Because, like mm-hmm. we talked about, these records have been in place for 30, 35 years, and now everything's come into question. Everything. And, of course, the Billy Mitchell is right in the middle of all this. 
Um, of course, we, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about, I think his name was Todd Rogers, the guy that had the, the Donkey Kong score taken from him. And uh, a bunch of his other scores were found to be uh, false as well. So this is, you know, this is really a black eye, not only to Twin Galaxies, but, you know, to kind of the, the all of these uh, record holders, you know, because it's like, you know, how are they going to verify this stuff? This whole thing is a mess. It is. <laughs> it's a it's giant really mess. a mess. So the thing the thing that I'm curious about the at the end of the the first article it says Mitchell goes on to explain that two other men Todd Rogers and Pete Bouvier were supposedly present when he set the score. But Todd I'd Rogers is to also his... one of the guys that was has had his score ripped from him so you can't take what yeah. he you know you can't believe what he says. But what about the other guy? I've never even heard of this other guy. I haven't Bouvier. either. I I'd love to hear a statement from him. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> the, I mean, I don't want to cast judgment either way. I, I will say, and I don't know if you'll agree or disagree with me on this, but in, you know, we've praised that documentary King of Kong. Yeah. Billy Mitchell was almost portrayed as like a villain Yeah. <laughs> in that documentary. So I'm like, was he really, or was that just how the documentary, you know, was meant to make him out to be? I, I don't know. Like it, it it's all become just this giant mess, and I really don't know what to believe. Yeah, I don't know either. I I don't know what to think about Billy Mitchell. I mean, it always seems like, you know, these guys that, that had all these scores, like the Todd Rogers and Billy Mitchell and all those guys back then, you know, this is kind of like, they remind me of like, I don't know, like high school jocks who really like, you know, peaked in high school and then never really did anything after that. So it's like they kind of hold on to that glory with, you know, with all their might. And it's, I, I don't know. It seems, it feels really weird to me. I, I just, I don't really understand those guys at all. Yeah, it's, it's weird. You know, I mean, these guys are pushing 60 at this point and now they're all fighting and they're, you know, they're, fabricating stuff to to keep their high scores like you know it's like the whole point of the like uh, king of kong was um what's that guy's name again uh crap i can't think of his name uh the the current record holder um but anyway what's his name you know he came along a few years ago and he beat the high score and then all of a sudden billy mitchell comes out with another high score and it's like you know, you haven't played this game in 30-something years and you're going to come back and blow this guy's score out of the water. That just seems fishy to me. It's almost like it's their way of, you know, just trying to stay relevant. I guess. I don't know. This is going to be like a very Donkey Kong-centric show, yeah. kind of a <laughs> a tease for, for my review a little bit later on. Yeah. Uh, but our last... I was going to say, that's why I wanted to bring this second uh, part up to see if you could kind of make sense of this, because I I couldn't make heads or tails of any of this. Well, even when I was reading the article earlier today, it the way the second article is put together, there's just so many point like bullet points and then bullet points inside bullet points. And then there's like where there's just almost like there's too much information. Yeah. And then there's like, they're talking about, well, this person says this and this person says that. And I'm like, well, who's this new guy you're talking about? Who, you know, who is this? 
And then they're like, they're just, I don't know. It's just so convoluted and weird. Um, but we're going to keep an eye on this because I'm pretty sure we haven't seen the end of this. And we'll, we'll, we're, there'll probably, um, probably be a lot to talk about when we come back in three weeks. Oh, absolutely. But to close out our news for this week, also from NintendoLife.com, Data East makes its 2018 debut on the Switch next week with Gate of Doom. Retro gaming fans rejoice because next week we'll see Flying Tiger Entertainment joining Namco, Hamster, and Zero Div in the exclusive club of publishers bringing arcade game content to Nintendo's hybrid system. Gate of Doom, known as Dark Seal outside the United States, was released back in 1990, and along with an isometric take on Gauntlet, it adds several RPG elements. Right from the player selection screen, there are four staple RPG characters up for grabs, Carl the Knight, Freya the Sorceress, Riger the Bard, and perhaps the most left field of the lot, Karakazi the Ninja. That is really out of left field. Uh, let's see. There's a video that I haven't had the chance to watch yet, but the game is scheduled for release on the American Switch eShop next week. On February 15th, for the price of $7.99, you will be able to download the very first Data East game to reach the system. I, I've never heard of this game, but I think it's cool that it's making its, you know, it's making its way to the Switch. Yeah, and I'm excited about Data East, um, you know, coming, trying to come back into the spotlight because they were a pretty big publisher back in the original Nintendo Entertainment System days. And um, this looks pretty cool, and plus at a price point of seven ninety nine, you can't really beat that. So I, I'm gonna check it out. Uh, as soon as it gets released and um, I'll play it and let you know what it's like. Cause uh, actually uh, I just, I'm almost done playing blaster master zero for the switch. And I am, yeah, you were telling to, me about that. It, it's very, very good. You know, we talked about blaster master a few weeks ago, basically what they did was they went back and they took the original blaster master ROM and they just beefed it up. Um, you know, mm -hmm. lots of, lots of more story elements, um, new weapons levels and stuff like that. And it's like playing a, like a 16 bit version of blaster master. It's awesome. So if, if you played blaster master back in the day and you have a switch 10 bucks, completely worth it. I might actually do a, a review of it when we come back because I really, really liked it. And if Derek, Derek, if you get it, we could do a dual review of it. I think that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> sounds good to me. But well, that I, does it for news. Yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and we'll move into this month in video game history. Why Why did the pipe not play? Something's going on with my pipe sound. It's not playing. There we go. Good Lord. What's going on with my soundboard tonight? <laughs> uh, in February 20th of 1987, Konami releases Contra in the arcade. Uh, quite possibly one of the one of the top 10 best games on the NES back in the 80s. I don't think I ever played the uh, the arcade version though. No, I didn't either. And I I I briefly saw some gameplay of Contra, but I've never actually played the game myself. But I, I know it's one of those games that's like you know, one of the first ones you think of when you think of NES. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's 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 one of the must-haves for an NES collector. Uh, let's see, February 10th of 1988, Enix releases Dragon Quest 3. So that would be 
would that be Dragon Warrior? Yep, Dragon Warrior yep. 3 in the US. So it's Dragon mm-hmm. Quest in Japan. So I never I still have Dragon Warrior 1. I'd like to get into it and play it a bit. Um but I never really I remember getting it uh when I with a subscription to if you renewed your subscription to Nintendo Power, I think in 1990, I think it was, you got a free copy of Dragon Warrior 1 which was really cool at the time. You know, like, you, like uh, 12 bucks a year, I'm going to get Nintendo Power and a free game? You can't beat that with a stick. Oh, absolutely. Let's see, in February of 1989, Atari Games releases the hard-driving arcade game with filled polygon 3D graphics, physics simulation, and a force feedback steering wheel. I remember hard driving, but I never really played this all too much back in the day. Yeah, I didn't either. The The name sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't think I ever played one when I was a kid. I don't remember. I mean, we didn't have that many arcades around here when I was growing up, and there were games like it, but not the actual like hard driving game. Yeah, we used to have an arcade in the mall called Aladdin's Castle. And I used to go there all awesome. the time. It was it was so cool because it was like it was it was really dark in there, and you could mm-hmm. hear it. Like I, this one thing that I miss is to hear the sound of an arcade. Like when you're oh, walking, yeah. you're a kid, you got a pocket full of quarters. You know your your mom's going to shop at like you know uh, Belk or something. You know it's like you got a pocket full of quarters and you're heading down the mall. And you hear that sound, that just that that arcade noise, man. That was just like it's like heaven. It's like approaching heaven when you're a child. The thing I miss the most about our mall is before it was remodeled several years ago, back when I was a kid, we had this huge arcade right next to a movie theater. That, that's how in the ours mall. Was. So you. So you you couldn't get any better than that. You know, you, you go watch a movie mm-hmm. and then you just walk right next door and <laughs> you go to the arcade. And yeah, I it's the same thing. And I remember when I went back and watched uh, The Wizard a couple of years ago, the scene when Jimmy's in that arcade, you know, mm-hmm. trying out all the games and hearing all the sound effects yeah. and everything in the background. <laughs> just it was awesome. Such a good I, I might. I wonder if they have that on YouTube, just like a 10 hour loop of like an arcade sound. And I could just lightly play it in the background of the show while we're while we're doing this. That'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Coming to you live from the arcade. Yes. It's Nerd Cave Retro. <laughs> in February twelfth uh, of nineteen ninety, Nintendo releases the NES game Super Mario Brothers three. Speaking of the uh, the Wizard, uh, super, that's where uh, the Super Mario Brothers three reveal was made in in nineteen eighty nine. In North America, it sells 17.28 million copies, making it one of the best-selling standalone video games of all time. That's a lot of freaking copies. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of, if not, you know, the most, like, highly reviewed, like, old-school Mario games. I mean, we even had, on one of our earlier shows, we had our debate yeah. on which game is better, Mario Brothers 3 or Mario World, and... You know, it's really one of those games where they're so close, but it's really, I think, the sentimental value that separates it. But, you know, Mario Brothers 3 is great. I my first introduction to it was actually the Super Mario All-Stars version and then went back eventually and played the the old 
you know, NES version, but you know, it's great. It still has my favorite, uh, uh, power up the, the raccoon ears and the tail. Oh yeah. I'll still, I'll never forget sitting in the movie theater, watching the wizard and that reveal of super Mario mm-hmm. brothers three. It was just like jumping out of my seat. Like, yeah, super Mario brother three. When's it coming out? I want to play it now. It also inspired, uh, a animated series. I don't yeah. know if you ever watched the old Mario cartoon, of but course they I had did. the, they had, you know, the, was it the Mario brothers super show where they had mm. the live action segments, which are so bad, yeah. but I <laughs> love awful. <laughs> yeah, but but the the Mario Brothers three cartoon I think was my favorite because it had you know it introduced the Koopa Kids yeah. and I I like, I, I like all of them so I, I think the Super Mario World was actually my favorite. That was a good one too. Yeah, because I remember they uh, they had Super Mario World, but what uh, which one had um, the event uh, the Legend of Zelda cartoons with it? Was that the Super Mario Super that Show? Was- yeah, because they played Mario Monday through Thursday, and yeah. then Zelda was on Fridays. Yeah, because I, I I remember um, when Super Mario World was out, it was Super Mario World, and then they would play Captain in the Game Captain Master. in. Yeah. Man, we had such a good childhood, man. <laughs> right? Well, something that we didn't talk about in the news segment, uh, there's going to be an animated Mario movie. Oh, that's right. I can't so, believe I didn't put that in the news. I completely I, forgot. I meant, no, I, I, meant, I meant to. I completely forgot about it. So I, I'll that that one's on me. But no, it's it's being made by Illumination Studios, the same group that did the Despicable Me trilogy. Yeah. I, I think that style is the perfect way to go. Oh, yeah. you, Mario cannot be live action. No. It just can't. But I, I think, you know, I'm confident that Nintendo will make sure that this is done right. Yeah, they because don't we have... all we all know what happened last time. <laughs> they don't want to have another uh, Super Mario Brothers fiasco like they did back no. in the day, because that oof. we still have to do the uh, the commentary track for that. Hey, I'm. <laughs> I, I'm I'm down to drive over to your house and make it happen, but but Wally has to do it. Okay, I'll, I'll let he, him know he, he has he to. He can't get out of it. Uh, uh, let's see. Next, we have uh, February 14th of 1991. DMA Design releases Lemmings, a puzzle game that requires the player to lead a group of lemmings through a dangerous environment to an escape portal. I remember this game for Super Nintendo because yeah. it was on the cover of an issue of Nintendo Power. Mm-hmm. But but I never played any of these games. I honestly had no idea that the series was even older than that. Like I thought it made its debut on the SNES. Yeah, I remember this coming out too for the SNES and uh, I had no desire to play it. Like it just didn't it, there was nothing about it made me want to play it. Yeah. Even though yeah, they, you know, they did a big write-up about it in Nintendo Power, it was on the cover. Still, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Uh, and also, to close us out for this month in video game history, on February 6th of 1991, Capcom releases Street Fighter II for arcades. It becomes highly successful and is routinely listed as the grandfather of the fi- of the fighting game genre. It is also credited credited with revitalizing the arcade game industry at the time and popularizing direct tournament-level competition between players. Now, who didn't play Street Fighter II um, incessantly in the arcades? And then it came out for Super Nintendo, 
and was exactly like the arcade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've I've mentioned this on the show before. I was more of a Mortal Kombat fan than Street Fighter, but you know, I, I I can't I can't knock Street Fighter because it's when it comes to fighting games, it's got to be up there, you know, right at the top. Oh yeah, you know, it's, it's just I mean, so it's so iconic, and the graphics still hold up to this yeah, day. Like I mean, it's people, the perfect looking Super Nintendo game. People are still playing it to this day. Yeah, in competition, so. I mean, that's you're talking about a, a, good lord, like a almost thirty year old game at this point. I mean, they brought in uh, Ryu to be a character in the latest Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, so so I mean that that should that should tell you how relevant that franchise still is. That is quite a legacy. But uh, Derek, mm-hmm. we got to talk about some books before we go into our review for this week. So what you've been reading? So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Uh, still checking out Ready Player One. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's it's kind of a beefy book when it comes to the audio version, but it, it's, it's really good so far. It's written by uh, Ernest Cline and narrated by Will Wheaton of Star Will Trek The Next Generation fame. Wheaton. Will Wheaton. <laughs> Uh, if you love 80s pop culture, the book is right up your alley. Uh, I can't wait for the movie. I, I'm I'm ready for it to come out because I have a feeling that it's going to be, when this year's over, it's going to be in my top three, I think. I have pretty high hopes for it. I, I do too. I can't wait to see it. So, But, oh. you know, other than that, they've got, um, you know, fiction, nonfiction, mystery romance sci-fi gaming they have several gaming books from world of warcraft gears of war mass effect halo really anything you can think of audible has and if you're always on the go like i am then audible is a fantastic service to be able to read without having to sit down and read a physical copy and i can't stress this word enough free (laughs) it's the best four letter word in the english dictionary and if you want to do that Go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And this week, Derek's talking about... That's a pretty fantastic little jingle. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like it's it. it's quite catchy. I completely forgot about it until I started playing this game again. But this week, I'm going to be reviewing Donkey Kong for the Game Boy. Uh, this game was released in 1994. It's a platform game developed by Nintendo for the Game Boy handheld video game system, uh, also known as the Giant Gray Brick. Hmm. Uh, It's loosely based on the 1981 arcade game of the same name and its sequel, Donkey Kong Jr. The game was known under the working title Donkey Kong 94 before the release date. And I've learned through, you know, looking up more information about this game that that's commonly what it's called is Donkey Kong 94. Yeah. So to explain how this game works, 
it starts out just like the iconic arcade game from the early 80s. You know, you go through the construction levels to try and rescue Pauline from Donkey Kong. Well, after you beat the fourth level, you know, where you cause the, the platforms to drop and then Donkey Kong falls, lands on his head, and Mario and Pauline walk together and the heart comes up and that's the end of the game. Except for the Game Boy version, Donkey Kong wakes up, breaks the platform they're on, grabs Pauline, and runs off. From there, you go through over a hundred individual levels wow. of chasing after Donkey Kong. And it introduces, you know, some cool elements like Mario can do uh, backflips and somersaults, handstands, kind of stuff that was also incorporated into like Mario 64 Galaxy and some of the other games that actually I think might have made its first appearance in this game. But what you do through these individual levels, so you go from the classic Donkey Kong to say the city and the city has eight uh, different levels. And what you have to do is you find a key that's on the map and you have to open this locked door to proceed to the next level hmm. and different, you know, enemies and obstacles are introduced and they get harder uh, throughout the game. And then I think every fourth level you fight Donkey Kong, you go from, you know, cities to, and fighting on an airplane to ancient Egypt, a jungle. There's a huge variety of, uh, you know, of worlds in this game. And that, that to me is a staple of the Mario franchise when you have, that, that's why I think like games like Mario 64 and Odyssey were so much more successful than like your galaxy or your Mario sunshine, because Mario sunshine was based around, one theme like a tropical island the galaxy yeah. just all takes place in space so having the variety is really cool and to, to tell you a little bit about the gameplay uh donkey kong begins with the four levels found in the original arcade game etc etc uh donkey kong revives grabs pauline and takes off with her with mario giving chase the player is then presented with 97 additional stages spanning nine worlds for a total of 101 stages with the very last one, a fight against a mutated larger Donkey Kong, which frustrated me so much as a kid. So did this game? I have lost. A, did this game have a, a password system, or did it have a save feature? That's a it lot had a save of stages. Feature. Good lord, it had a save feature. stages. That's a lot. Yeah, it, it's. I forgot how long this game was until I was thinking about it a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I wonder if this is on the, the 3ds virtual console, which of course it is because this was a game. I haven't played it since, you know, the mid nineties when it came out, but I remember really liking it because it's, it's kind of a mix of the classic donkey Kong. Uh, it's got a little bit of Mario brothers too, because you can pick up enemies and throw them to kill others. And, you know, it's got a little bit of a, a puzzle system as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, let's see. After the fourth level of every uh, world is cleared, a short cutscene is shown depending a player's abilities that may be needed for the upcoming levels or to introduce new kinds of traps. And then after every fourth level, you can you can save your progress. So there's okay. a little bit of a limited save feature, but there is one, I, which, I, which I, is... Much better than nothing. Yeah, well, it says every fourth level is a battle level, which the player must either try to reach Pauline, like the original levels, or defeat Donkey Kong by using his own barrels against him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so there, there's a lot of... Um, it, it's a nice balance of different styles of Mario games that are combined into one. Uh, as I said, you know, similar to Mario Brothers 2, he's able to pick up and throw items or certain enemies. And it's, you know, it kind of reminds me with the key. It kind of reminds me of when you got the potion in Mario Brothers 2, like how valuable that that item was. Yeah. Um, then, you, of course, you can do your backflips and your somersaults and whatnot. And then what's cool is later on in the game, uh, Donkey Kong Jr. shows up. I think when you get to the jungle level, he shows up and he'll be in levels every now and then and he'll like flip a switch that might um you know put some more obstacles in your path so there there's quite a bit to like about this game because it's it's mario platforming at its finest you know it's and it's kind of like putting a fresh coat of paint (laughs) on an old product but you know it's it's good you know and i haven't beat the game since i started replaying it just because it's so long and i I honestly forgot how long this game was until I was watching uh, footage on YouTube. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's over 100 stages in this game. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to beat this in time for, for Sunday. But it, it, it's it's a lot of fun. If it's ever released on the Switch, that's what I, I would ask. recommend that you get it because I think you would really like it. That, and that's what I'm wondering. I I really think Donkey Kong is primed to make a, a sort of a comeback, especially with you know the Switch, because like if you if they were to redo this game for the Switch with you know with updated graphics and music, I think it would sell really well, and I think if you know Donkey Kong deserves to make a comeback, like another you know Donkey Kong Country or something like mm-hmm. that for the Switch, and I and maybe they're working on it right now, but it seems like it's you know as of right this second, you know, it seems kind of like a wasted property that everybody loves from Nintendo. I mean, he did get a little bit of a comeback in uh, the latest Mario game, you know, Mario Odyssey with the, you know, the kind of the throwback uh, 2D levels that you would do in the game, especially in the, uh, the new Donk City. And like that to me told me that like, hey, Donkey Kong is still on their minds. So are we going to mm-hmm. get another Donkey Kong game soon? I think I might have told you this, but not too long after I got Odyssey, I remember texting you saying there was a part in the game that honestly got me choked up a little mm-hmm. bit. That Donkey Kong bit was it. Yeah. That and when you go in the theater and you play through the original yeah. uh, like World 1-1 from Mario Brothers, I was just, <laughs> as soon as I walked in the theater and I saw it, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I'm probably going to get a tear in my eye. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's still in Mario Kart, uh, mm-hmm. so it seems like it's a no-brainer if they were to come out as, with another full Donkey Kong game, and they could prime the public by you know, re-releasing this for the Switch. That that would just be a no-brainer to me. What's cool is when the Super Game Boy came out for the SNES, which was basically this giant cartridge yeah. that you could put your Game Boy game in, put that in the Super Nintendo, and basically play your Game Boy games on the SNES. Well, one of the, the cool features was from this game because it made the game, uh, it turned the game into color. Yeah. And also had a cool border that looked like the old Donkey Kong arcade machine, which it was a really cool thing. And I didn't even know this. Like, I've heard of these games, 
But for the Game Boy Advance, they started the series called Mario versus Donkey Kong. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, that reminds me of that old Donkey Kong game I played for the Game Boy as a kid. And the, the, the gameplay is very similar to it. And I had no idea because I've never played any of those games before. Because they were supposed to do a remake for this game uh, for the Game Boy Advance, but it turned into Mario vs. Donkey Kong, which has launched a whole separate series. Uh, but as far as its reception goes, uh, Donkey Kong has received positive reception from critics, holding an average score of 84.93 at game rankings. Uh, GamePro de- described it as both a great killer app for the Super Game Boy and an excellent game in its own right. They particularly praise the nostalgia value of the arcade game levels, the intellectually challenging puzzles of the new levels, and the overall longevity of the game. Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it their Game of the Month award, similarly hailing it as an excellent killer app for the Super Game Boy and commenting that it brings back all the best aspects of the arcade while introducing new concepts and making the game better. Uh, See, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it an 8.25 out of 10, and All Game gave it four and a half stars so you know overall and i give credit to nintendo for well the you official, know not taking the safe route with doing this yeah oh go ahead oh i was gonna say the official nintendo magazine ranked donkey kong 89th on their list of the 100 greatest nintendo games i mean it's it deserves to be on that list because they could have just you know, gone the easy route, but the fact that they added new aspects to the gameplay, um, added new, you know, variety of levels, new enemies, being clever with the boss fights, and they're not all exactly the same. Yeah. It's a really good game. And I'm really glad that I was reintroduced to it. Like, I just randomly thought of it one day and downloaded it and that's why I told you you know I wanted to change my review to this because I just kind of got sucked into it and I played it for an hour and a half. Yeah. And I haven't done that with a game in in a bit. So that was why I wanted to talk about it but if if you're a fan of the classic Mario games, if you're a fan of Donkey Kong, the old arcade game, you know, definitely check it out if if you own a 3DS, I would definitely pay. I think it was like it may have been five bucks. It might have been a little bit more. I can't remember the exact price, but it's well worth it. And if it comes out for the Switch, I would recommend that you should get it like day one. I have no doubt that you would love this game. Yeah. And, and you know, I still hold to the fact that the Nintendo Switch, even though it's not as powerful, you know, as an Xbox One X or PlayStation 4, it's still it's the the best piece of hardware I've bought and probably almost a decade. Um, and with it being portable like it is, and you know, it's, it's a hybrid console, you know, you play it on your TV or you play it on the go and games like this, you know, especially old game boy games like this, the, you know, throw a new coat of paint on these old games, you know, a beef it up for, you know, the switch, they could make so much more money off of these old titles like this by throwing them on the Switch. And it, you know, the Switch, when the the Switch Online launches later this year, it would do Nintendo good to go back and release some of this older retro stuff. Take, you know, feed the retro market while it's there. You know, people are always nostalgic for Nintendo stuff. Put all this old stuff on the Switch and I'll be happy. 
you know? Yeah. Like, I, if I could just go on the Nintendo Switch online and pick up this or, you know, the original Metroid or, hell, Star Tropics or just anything. Just go on and, you know, give me, like, old Super Nintendo games that I can just pop on the Switch, you know, for five bucks and, and play, you know, Legend of the Mystical Ninja while I'm on a plane. You know, that'd be yeah. awesome. And, that, and it's the perfect console to do that. So Nintendo just... They're leaving money on the table right now. <laughs> like, just give us the stuff and we will pay for it. We've proven that we'll pay for it with the, yeah. you know, the Super Nintendo Classic and the Nintendo Classic. We we will pay for this old stuff still. So just give it to yeah. us in this form too. Please, Nintendo, we love you. And we don't I don't understand why you hate making money. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but as far as this, a, you know? a number ranking for this game, um, I would pr- I would give it a solid nine Sweet. out of ten. Like it's it's really that good. Like it, it really it captures the nostalgia of classic Mario while adding new elements that make it feel fresh. Yeah. And so I, I I recommend, like I said, anybody who has a 3DS go on the eShop and get it. And hopefully they release this game for the Switch when they launch their online service later this year. Awesome. And I've, I kind of feel the same way about uh, Blaster Master Zero for the Switch. Like, And that's why you know I really want them to beef up this old stuff. Because you can take an old game like Blaster Master, take the original ROMs, beef it up, give it some more story elements, you know, make it, give it a nice coat of paint. And I'll give you ten bucks for it, and it's great. Like, dude, I've put like yeah. seven. It tells you how how long you've been playing the game. I've put like almost eight hours into it at this point. And last night, I got to the final boss, and I, I had to stop because I had to go to bed. So later on tonight, I'm gonna try to finish the game. Um, but as far as I, I know, the final boss has at least two phases, and I'm stuck in the second phase right now because I. It's one of those games where, like, you know, I'm at the final boss and I blow all of my special weapons trying to get through the first phase. And then he goes into the second phase and I have nothing left. I'm like, God, how am I supposed to get through this? So I got to come up with a new strategy to get through that first phase and try to conserve some of my uh, some of my special weapons. And um, I'll, I'll let you know. Hopefully I can finish the game. Uh, hopefully I can finish it soon and um, I'm, I'm going to make you buy it for the Switch so that we can do a dual review because it is really, really good. As soon as I buy it, I'll I'll snap a picture and send it to you. I'm telling you, it's awesome. It, it, <laughs> if you're listening to this show and you love retro games and you have a Switch, it's 10 bucks for Blaster Master Zero and it's like a complete nostalgia trip like i'm when i play the game i feel like i'm 10 years old again and it's probably the best purchase i've made so far on the switch and that's saying a lot because i got zelda breath of the wild mario odyssey and mario 8 and i'm like i'll probably put more as much time in the blaster master as i have like more time in that than i did in mario odyssey wow now do you get to revisit barter town uh, well, let me. Uh... <laughs> Master Blaster runs Bartertown. That's who runs Bartertown. Yes. 
I, no, I put you I on the spot there, but I was hoping you still had that sound I know. Bite. I was like, do I still have it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Tell me one more time. Master Blaster runs ah, Father Time. That's right. <laughs> and if we do a dual review, you know I'm going to play that like 20 times. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, like I said, um, don't forget, everybody, we are going to be off for two weeks. And we apologize for that, but uh, we have life stuff going on. Like I said, I'll be in Disney this week, uh, but me and Derek will both be together at uh, Pensacon if you're in the Pensacola area on February 23rd through 25th. Well, maybe we can try to, to squeeze in like maybe a mini episode or something. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk that. about it and we'll try and figure something out. Yeah, that'd be nice if we could do something from, uh, from Pensacon. And, uh, you know, if you miss us that bad, you know, go back and listen to some of the archive shows. You know, you can go back and listen to yeah. the first couple episodes. And I guarantee you'd be like listening to a new show all over again because you'll have forgotten yeah. what we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> and when you've got our other shows, too, you've got the Derek Diamond Experience you can go listen to. Uh, you got the Pop Culture Palette you can go listen to. So, Derek, tell them what you've been uh, what you've been up to on the Derek Diamond Experience the last few weeks. Yes. Yeah, so um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a cool Facebook Live episode talking about the film Cornbread Cosa Nostra, which you were a part of. Yes. I uh, talked with uh, director Travis Mills and a few of the cast members. Um, haven't released the audio version yet. I'm kind of saving that for a rainy day. But the, the video version is on my Facebook Live page, uh, facebook.com slash Podcast. As far as the audio version... Uh, last week I released my interview with Eddie McClintock, star of the sci-fi show Warehouse 13, also upcoming Pensacon guest. And speaking of Pensacon, this week I'll be chatting with the front office of Pensacon, Mike Inslee, Steve Wise, Kat Bishop, and Georgia Bielich. Nice. Uh, talking about like how Pensacon was formed, uh, some of their horror stories, which are pretty fantastic to hear. Uh, and, of course, talking about this year's convention. So uh, that'll be out this Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, and all podcasting services. And, of course, go check out the Pop Culture Palette as well at PCP Show and uh, PCPRadio.com. The last episode we talked about is the overly sensitive culture we seem to be in right now. Is it killing comedy? Or is it bad mm -hmm. for comedy? So we, we had a long discussion about that. And also, uh, last month's uh, Patreon episode, if you're a Patreon subscriber or want to be a Patreon subscriber, dollar a month gets you access to our extra shows. We did uh, Disney Family Feud for our game show last month, which was really fun. So dollar, just a dollar a month will get you the extra episodes from the Pop Culture Palette. Uh, as far as Nerd Cave Retro goes, please... Go to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get you, you download the show from. Leave us a review. Uh, leave us a, a star, uh, uh, how many stars you would give us, and leave us a review. Don't take but a couple of minutes, and it, it helps us out a lot by putting us further up in the rankings and putting us in front of more people. Trying to build a community here, folks. And uh, you folks have been yeah. very chatty the last few weeks, which is awesome. Like I'm always getting messages on Facebook. Uh, Twitter. I don't. I don't know if you saw the ones on on Facebook, Derek. But everybody's been getting a hold of us on Facebook and Twitter, and it's great. We love hearing from everybody. And um, please, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Nerd Cave Retro, and also Nerd Cave Retro on uh, Facebook, 
Tell us what you think of the show. Tell us what you want us to talk about. And um, we love you guys. So thank you for listening and hanging in there with us. So Absolutely. Anything else you want to talk about before we go, Derek? Uh, Real quick, I did want to say this isn't retro gaming related, but I didn't know I didn't realize this until you posted it on Facebook the other day because we're we're both big fans of this band. But uh, Van Halen, oh, yeah, forty years ago released their first album. Holy crap, dude! What probably my my favorite concert that I've ever been to was when David Lee Roth like briefly reunited with Van Halen a couple of years ago. They played in Birmingham, and I got to see them live, and they were amazing eddie van halen is a god i have yet to see them live with david lee roth i saw them live with sammy hagar for the four unlawful carnal knowledge tour back in 1991 i think it was or 92 uh, i was in ninth grade and it was the very first concert i got to go to by myself i went with a friend of mine that i went to high school with and uh, we got to go see Van Halen, and we got to see a little band called Alice in Chains open up for them before anybody knew who they were. And it oh, was wow. awesome. So that was a really cool concert. I still have got to see them with David Lee Roth, man. Van Halen is arguably my favorite band of all time. And Van Halen won, uh, j- dropped 40 years ago on February, what's today? 10th. On February 10th. It dropped, uh, and it's the same age as me. <laughs> that is insane. Uh, and I can but reach the- right back here, and I have it on vinyl, which you can see right here. My favorite nice. album of all time, Van Halen 1. They did, when David Lee Roth reunited with them, they did a show in Tokyo, and I have the vinyl version. It's four. Uh, it's four records, but it's an awesome show. It's probably my favorite live show that I've ever heard. Like on, like on album. Yeah. Because they they play like all their their classics. Oh yeah, and it's my, awesome. My brother is a uh, he's a, a audiophile, and he has a room under his house dedicated to just listening to music. He's got like a, a Macintosh. Uh, you know, stereo system with these big, huge speakers, and he's got an entire wall that's nothing but record slots, and he's got thousands of records, he's got thousands of CDs, tapes, eight tracks, and um, you know, uh, he always somehow finds all these weird bootlegs and um, mm-hmm. gets them, and then he puts them on thumb drives for me. And, and mails them to me. And he, he, he mailed me a thumb drive not too long ago that had a bunch of Van Halen concerts back from like early 80s, late 70s. And they're like, they're not crappy recordings either. They're like recordings off the actual soundboard. So they sound wow. like a really good live album. And they're freaking awesome. And they're all up in my iTunes library right now. And this was back... When I hate to say this, but this was back when Dave could sing somewhat live. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not all that great these days, but hey, he's he's Diamond Dave, man. He can do whatever he wants. And the guy I truly believe is insane. He is, but you know, he's Diamond Dave, man. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean the the guy's great. So 
Yeah, I just wanted to throw that little nugget out there because when you posted, I was like, holy crap, mm -hmm. 40 years, that's crazy. It still holds up as one of the best guitar, actually just one of the best rock and roll records ever made. Yeah. Like, it is perfect and you know, from like beginning I, to end. And I grew up on that type of music, too, so. Oh, of course. You know, yeah, you know, he hearing, you know, seeing that, and I went back and listened to a couple of the songs, and it was just, it was great. Like, all you millennials out there, you need to go listen to some Van Halen and, you know, go, go like drive too fast and you know, do something, something crazy. Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that's all I've got for this week. Awesome. Let's go ahead and uh, play our music here. Uh, if I can get it playing, what is wrong with this soundboard, man? I got to get this thing worked on. If you would like to email us, we're at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can find us on our own website at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And you can follow us individually at jfantastic, at Derek underscore diamond. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And, and keep those comments coming to us and talking to us online. We really dig that. So thank you guys. Yeah. And uh, Derek, tell them what it's all about. Whoa, 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 Jamie's crying. <laughs> yes. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. Running with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> down, down, down.